Hello, welcome back to Bible Breeze. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hideous normal talk about Yeah, it. it's been a long time since I've started a show like that, actually. So hmm. we should get back into that. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> oh, we are excited to be with you guys again. I believe this is episode 41, but cool. I believe it's part five of our current study. And we can never do like just a couple parts to something. We have to do it all the way. It's true. Understandably. Well, and this is because we're talking about redemptive relationships. There's a lot to cover on making disciples. And we're Mm -hmm. in the foundation still of what does it mean to be a godly woman? And then from that foundation, we build onto how do we pursue discipleship relationships in our circles, right? Utilizing the way God's made us as women and the roles he's given us, how do we utilize that to build these relationships to make disciples? So we're still in the building phase of our foundation. (laughs) We're still pouring the concrete. So this is going to be, you know, probably I would think at least eight to 10 parts, but maybe more, maybe less if, you know, things just wrap up fast, but we are still in the process of writing this series, so we'll see what happens. But right now, part five, we are covering, um, we are beginning to cover how God himself uniquely demonstrates traits and roles that he's given to women. Um, we talked about last week, some of our struggles as women, that there are some weaknesses that we tend towards. There are some areas of women who are gifted and made in the image of God, but have certain traits and certain abilities that are identified with our gender. It is easy for us to think, oh, well, I'm a very, you know, unique person. And we totally are unique people. But, you know, there are traits that can be identified as masculine or feminine, even if we think, well, I'm a tomboy, which like I actually, I am a tomboy. Like I understand that. I grew up with five brothers. I was the first girl after four boys. I wore camouflage, you know, for most of my young life. And I, (laughs) she still does. (laughs) I don't don't mind being seen anymore. So I stopped wearing camouflage. (laughs) Um, But you know, I remember some of my first interactions as a kid, what like climbing this tree in our backyard and the boys just left me up there when I couldn't figure out how to get down because they're like, figure it wow. out. Like, if you're going to follow us and play with us, like, you're going to have to figure it out, you know? And I remember playing oh soccer goodness. with them in the backyard and I took my shirt off because they all had their shirts off. I was probably like five or six. <laughs> and James, one of my brothers, freaked out. I was like, you've got to put your shirt back on. And I was like, why? You guys have your shirts on. <laughs> Went and got mom. It makes you know? sense from a kid's perspective. <laughs> I know. And I Hardly still fair. like, I was like, I'm, I'm, why, why is this a problem? You know, I was like, it's five or six. I couldn't understand. But you know, that's just, it's, yes, I, you are influenced by your environment. You're influenced by your personality, by your gifting, by your likes and dislikes. So I'm not saying like everyone looks like the ultra feminine, you know, girly girl who has like the pink lace bedroom and like spends five hours, you know, getting ready in the morning or whatever. I don't know many women that are like that, but I know some that are that like the ultra feminine, very girly things. And, and that's great. Like if you really enjoy that and that's your personality, that's awesome. My personality is not like that. However, I am a woman and I have Mm -hmm. feminine tendencies, even though, you know, maybe I would prefer to go paintballing over, you know, 
I don't know, scrapbooking. (laughs) (laughs) It is funny, though, that we, I mean, it's very common now to see these things as a spectrum. Like, this is what female is. This is what male is. And for those of us who are, who enjoy doing things that are considered, quote unquote, male. Right. Then it's like, oh, well, maybe you are a man then because you like to do these things. But how messed up is that? Like, It's actually the opposite of, you know, people talk about gender fluidity. Right. Like this idea that you, your roles are reversible. And yet, in that regard, those people are the ones who tend to stick to the harshest, most rigid view of man and woman. Very stereotypical. Yeah, because they say that, oh, if you're like this, then you must be a man. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you should change your gender. And it's like, that's... That's not true. I mean, I you can enjoy things that men would enjoy more, like baseball mm-hmm. and, you know, hiking or hunting or whatever, yeah. and be a woman. In fact, I know a lot of women who are really involved in hunting and, like, they enjoy sports more yeah, than their husband or their boyfriend or whatever. Yeah, because it's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it depends on who you are as a person. Yeah. It depends on how you were raised. You know, like, were you close to your dad? Did you do things with him a lot? Were you, mm-hmm. did you have a lot of brothers? Did you have a lot of opportunity to do those kind of things? And did you cultivate, you know, likes and dislikes and all that? Right. Or were you like the little girl that, you know, wants to wear the big, like the five petticoats to church and like, you know, wants to be in <laughs> dance and ballet and stuff, which is great too. Like, it's just, there are different kinds of women. It doesn't make any less women, women yes. than yes. the girly girl if you're not exactly. totally like that. Your personality, your fashion preferences, your recreational preferences, these are not um, hard and fast, and these are not given to us in scripture as like, this is what it means to be a woman. You know, you can't enjoy baseball if you're a woman. Like, you know, that's not in yeah. scripture. <laughs> but third Deuteronomy right. 27 says. Oh, man. But um, at the same time, there are womanly traits identified in scripture mm-hmm. that of nurturing, you know, that of um, being a helper being someone who comes alongside, that of being in the role of submission and of being someone who is willing to follow leadership and who is easy to lead and is and is willing to support that leadership and to give them encouragement and strength and help. These are these are biblical traits of womanhood. As we covered in earlier episodes, someone who has a meek and quiet spirit, a or a uh, humble and quiet spirit, not a humble, quiet personality, but a humble, quiet spirit, someone who is, who is trusting God for what happens to her. She has peace knowing he's in control. She is resting in the sovereignty of God and his love for her. She's resting in, um, ultimately, no matter what's happening in her circumstances and the truth of God's word. And because of that, her soul is quiet. Her soul's at rest. Her soul is humbled and submissive to God. And so these are biblical traits of womanhood. And this is what we're talking about. So we're not saying like, you can't enjoy axe throwing. You know? <laughs> I, I if you're a woman, you should look like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now we have our, we are at a disadvantage when it comes to very physical things like that as women, because yeah. we just have less lean muscle mass. And that's just a biological fact, unless you're like a bodybuilder and you're standing next to a guy who plays video games for a living. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're, you're going to have less lean muscle mass than the average man. Yeah, That's just how it is, which is why they usually run faster and run longer yeah. and they can overpower you if they had to and all those things. And so there is a distinct difference between us physically, obviously, too. But it's a blessing and a joy to be able to embrace biblical womanhood and to be able to say, this is what God views as highly precious and highly valuable to him. This is the role God has given us as women. 
How can we exemplify that? How can we pursue that in our everyday life with the unique personalities and likes and dislikes and enjoyment that we have, you know, and all those things. And if you love throwing axes, which I think axe throwing is a ton of fun, but again, as we said, like I'm at a slight disadvantage to like my brother-in-law or my brothers who are just stronger and have more lean muscle mass and they can throw an ax harder and it frustrates me a little bit, but you just have to work a little bit harder. (laughs) Work a little bit harder and there is a technique (laughs) and you know, we can get better. And our arms are shaped differently too. So that makes it. And that impacts how straight we can throw. There's a lot of interesting aspects to that, but we can still enjoy it and we can still have fun. We're not bitter. (laughs) (laughs) They're not bad things. It's not. And you can still enjoy those things while being a godly biblical woman. Mm-hmm. And so just to talk about the traits that God has given us as women to exemplify and how cool is it, you guys, that these traits are traits that God has. Yeah. You know, you think we spent our first part of this podcast, the greater portion of the year we've had this podcast going, we'll be coming up on our year anniversary in March, which is kind of exciting. It's next month. We've spent the greater part of this year studying attributes of God in our theology proper, right? As we talk about those things. And we talked about all these different aspects to God's character and who he is and how cool is it that he chose some of those aspects of his character to be exemplified more in men than women. And he chose some of those aspects of his character to be exemplified more in women than in men. I think that's really cool. Like there are areas in which we have a little bit of an edge because this is how God's designed us to display and to manifest these attributes of God in our life. And we're talking about those attributes of God today. And that's exciting to me. We'll probably talk about God as a helper on this episode and then God as an um, example of submission in the next episode. These are both very um, hot button issues, I think, when it comes to women and biblical womanhood. And God is these attributes and he has done them um, successfully and powerfully. And he has demonstrated to us that he's not asking of us anything he is not already doing and has done. And these are ways in which we can glorify God and we can magnify him and we can display his attributes in our own lives. And that's exciting. It's neat when you think about it that way, instead of like, oh, I've been consigned to servitude or whatever, which is what the world will try to tell you mm-hmm. that means, you know, barefoot and, that, and chained to the kitchen sink. Right. Idea. Or that there is it's not in the Bible. <laughs> it's not. Or that there's shame in being a woman who is quiet and who is gentle and who has like those outward personalities yeah. also, which some women naturally have. And we become a culture that doesn't honor that. It yeah. doesn't praise the gentle. It doesn't praise the the kind. It doesn't praise the the quiet and the yeah. outwardly submissive. Now, obviously, we talked about this before. You can be inwardly rebellious, even mm-hmm. if you have an outward submissive heart. And you can be loud and chaotic and, you know, aggressive yeah. and have a meek and quiet spirit. You know, it's these are not um maybe not aggressive. This, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think of aggressive as like just you're a go-getter, not like I'm gonna bite aggressive with head your off. goals, maybe. Yeah, not like an passionate person. <laughs> maybe passionate's a better word than oh, aggressive. Yeah, that works. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot but of baggage like, with aggressive. Right. Like you can but you know, as a society and in our culture, we really value right now women who are loud, who are aggressive in their personalities who are kind of mean, honestly, like portrayed in media, sarcastic, um, rebellious, 
like who have this mindset of, I am the better leader. I am the most capable person. I should take charge in every situation, right? And but really, who wants to hang out with that person? You know, like it's it's such a glorified trait. Yeah. But like, I don't want a friend like that. Well, and it's become, it really, it's become a trope because yeah. every woman is like that in media. And it's like, guys, that's not how every woman is. Like, do you know women? Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's just- There are some it, like that, sure. But like, <laughs> it's very- uh, it's very mean and it's very like rigid in how it views womanhood. Yeah. If it says this is what woman looks like, hear her roar, you know, yeah. it's like, this isn't what woman looks like. You know, woman yeah. looks like a lot of things. She looks like. Yeah. It's not sexist to not like yeah. that portrayal of women because yeah. that's not a very desirable. And we talked about like a few a weeks ago that they're one of my favorite books of Jane Austen is Persuasion. I love that story. And it's been done several different times mm-hmm. in film and with varying success. I mean, depending on which version you like better. Netflix, I think, is the one that came out with the latest mm-hmm. one. And I hated it. And I'm oh, so sorry. It was so bad. I'm really sorry if you liked it, if that was like your introduction to Persuasion and you're like, oh, it's a neat story. Or if you maybe like the book still and still found facets that you enjoyed about that story. I hated it. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> You didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Please, Katie, tell us. (laughs) Ask me why I hated it. (laughs) Ask me why. I need to know your opinion. (sighs) Anne Elliot is the woman, the main character in this book, okay? And she is a woman who displays incredible strength of character. Yeah. But she does it in a very non-Western, non-modern, stereotypical, (laughs) non-modern, exactly, way. She, she has a very gent, like gentle, tender, nurturing personality. Like she cares for her family who don't deserve her care. Frankly, they're pretty mean to her. She cares for them selflessly. She is the friend who everyone wants to talk to when they're going through hard times. You know, she's the person who is there and meets yep. real needs in real time with real help. You know, she's she's someone who is in the background and in the shadows serving. And she does this for years unappreciated. And the story of persuasion is how she grew in her character from mistakes she made as a young woman to become a woman who is able to be persuaded, is able to be um is able to make the, re- the like the call of I'm sacrificing what I want and desire, but it's for the better of everyone else. I'm willing to go with along with what everyone else wants to do. But when it comes to ultimately, like what's the best thing in this scenario for me and for everyone involved, being able to take a stand and to be strong in that without being loud or rebellious mm-hmm. or in people's faces. Like she becomes a woman who has great strength of character. Cause as a young woman, she was kind of a pushover and just did what everyone thought she should do. But she learns to, to, to weigh things. She learns how to make decisions that are better for her, but also better for others around her. She learns that it's not always the right thing to do just to go along with what everyone else wants. Right. Mm-hmm. And she learns like how to differentiate between those things because she's still someone who is easy to lead. She's still someone who is gentle and willing to help in a sacrificial way if someone needs her. But there are some areas of her life where she recognizes I need to take a stand on this and I need to not be persuaded to do the wrong thing. And, and she does that. And there is a person in her life who 
<clears throat> knew her as a young woman and then comes back when she's like an adult and he recognizes her character. It's hard for him to recognize her character at first because he's distracted by another young woman who's more loud and in his face and more like, I'm strong, you know, kind of a woman. But then after knowing them both for a season, he recognizes the faults of one and the virtues of the other. And he ends up pursuing Anne and marrying Anne. Because of who she is. as this, Yeah, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> Came and, out 200 years ago. Spoilers. What's like so interesting about the story is you have Louisa versus Anne in this story, really, which Louisa isn't a bad girl or anything like that. She's just not the right personality for the man in the story yeah. because she's loud and she's, uh, you know, out there and exuberant and she's um, willful, frankly, like she wants what she wants and she's going to get it. Right. And at first he values that thinking, oh, she won't be a pushover. And then he recognizes the end result of that behavior when you're not willing to listen to anybody is mm-hmm. harm to yourself and harm to your family, which, you know, happens in the story. What is crazy to me is Netflix takes that story <laughs> and they take Anne uh, and Louisa and they flip them. Yeah. It's like taking Jane Eyre and making Blanche the hero. Yeah. It's like you give Blanche all of Jane's qualities and you give jane all of blanche's and then they still end up and then rochester's like oh i want blanche and marries her like are you kidding me like these are contrasting personalities for a purpose and he chooses anne who is quiet and is sacrificial and is in the background serving other people and has incredible strength to be to say no to herself and to care for others every day and they take that character who is such a good character in fiction and yeah. literature and is so unusual for a Jane Austen heroine because like usually her heroines are like Lizzie, you know, like they're not, mm-hmm. they're not, or Emma, you know, they're not like, they're not all Jane, the, yeah. Lizzie's sister, you know what I mean? And Anne's more of a Jane and she makes her the, the like the, the main person in the story. And then Netflix is like, nah. <laughs> we don't like that. <laughs> this is a, a classic for hundreds of years. And everyone loves this story because of all the virtuous characteristics of this woman. But let's make her like every other woman in media right now. And I just want to shake those people. I'm like, yeah. what is wrong with you? They made her a Louisa. And actually, yeah. ironically, in the film, Louisa's character is more of an Anne. <laughs> and I'm like, they flipped them. What's wrong with them? So anyway, all that to say, there are other reasons why I wouldn't watch that movie too. There's some stuff in it that I was not happy that they put in that story. But I um, was really just like, this is our society. We only value these traits. And we think this is what strength looks like. Yep. And we promote it. And we scoff at anyone who isn't like that. And that's not biblical. It's not even rational. <laughs> yeah. like, you know. And we're not saying like if you do have goals that you're reaching for, then you're this odious person. Like that's no. not the point. It's more like the attitude of the heart of like yep. being very selfish, being very um loud in like an ungodly way, yeah. you know. Like Wayward. people who say early yeah, like Proverbs talks about somebody who is what is it? The multitude of words or something is like the, it lacks wisdom. So mm-hmm. no, um, things like that. Like just we're talking about being somebody who is biblical um, and letting that influence who you are as a person, your yeah. personality. It doesn't mean you can't be, you know, have a loud voice or something, but yeah. just looking at that through a biblical lens. Don't let society tell you how you should be is basically right. what it is. <laughs> and And woman – Woman out there, all of the women, <laughs> all of you women. 
I want to make this very clear. I have traits personality wise and um, just like how like likes and dislikes and all those kind of things. I am what would be considered a stereotypical modern woman in a lot of ways. And I, I'm angry about how this is all that we see in media. It's all that we see portrayed as good and strong, et cetera, et cetera, because I am one of like hundreds of personalities that God has created on this planet. And that is foolish. It's foolish to act like this is the highest a character can be or whatever. Yeah. Like I, this is a way, this is a personality that some women have, not most. And we're trying to make all women like that. We're saying this is what strength always looks like. It doesn't. Some of my hardest moments in my life, some of my strongest moments where God has grown me the most and I have been able to, to honor him, I think, and how I like responded to the situation I was in have been moments where I had to shut up mm-hmm. and, and to just be quiet and to pray for somebody, to, to yield to a situation that in my flesh I didn't want to yield to, but it was the right call to do that. It was for the best for, my, for me and for others. Like strength doesn't look like my personality. Strength looks like a woman who is willing to do what God wants her to do and is operating by biblical principles. Now that can be manifested through my personality. That can be manifested through Emily's personality. That can be manifested through your personality. Okay. It's not a personality does not dictate strength. Right. Strength comes from the character of the woman. Mm-hmm. It comes from inside. It comes from how she's making decisions. And it comes from her being willing at the end of the day to to submit to God's rule in her life right. and God's word. That's strength. That's hard. You know, doing the hard thing hard. Yes. shows that you have strength, not doing what is easy. Yep. Which I think it is pretty easy to fight for our rights and to mm-hmm. be a jerk to people we don't like. You know, yeah. it takes a very strong That's person yeah. to love those who hate you, to mm-hmm. love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. That's real strength. Yeah. So it's not a weak thing to do by no. any means. And we've like, we're talking about this a lot on this episode because it's a big problem, you guys. Like, you've been influenced by this, even if you don't realize it. Every sure. woman, Everybody I feel has, like in yeah. media right now, every show, every song, every book, you know, these women are not varied. They're not a good representation of how women are. They are all the same. And they're all angry, and they're mm-hmm. all aggressive, and they're all loud, all kind of jerks, wayward, and yeah, like they're just—they're not people you want to be friends with, you know, like yeah. not nice ladies. And we are telling young children and raising young women to say, "Okay, this is what a woman looks like. That's strength. This is what strength looks yeah. like. It's not. It's very weak. Mm-hmm. These—if you were on a life raft with these women." They'd be the selfish ones drinking all the water and not listening to the navigator to the on sharks. board. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, guys, maybe we should find out what all of our skill sets are and see who has the best chance of getting us out of the situation. No, I'm a woman. I know what's best. And I'm going to take the helm. And I'm going to do all yeah. these things. It's like, you're a pediatrician. You have no idea what you're doing on this boat. <laughs> you know, like, what are you? <laughs> that sounds so specific. <laughs> Did I this just happened to I just thought of, no, I just thought of a random job. But it's like I, it just makes me think of that old movie where she's like, and you know class, like I know navigation. <laughs> yeah. Such a great line. Such a great line. But you know, it's true. Like there you have to be willing to work with other people. You have to be willing to to let other people lead if this is their strength, you know? You have to be willing to or if it's their role. You have to be willing to be someone who's out on a team. 
We're not just all individuals mm-hmm. running around doing our own thing. We impact with a chip on the our lives shoulders. of everyone else. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I would not want to be on a boat, on a life raft with any of these women. <laughs> with a pediatrician <laughs> who's mean. <laughs> they're jerks. Oh, they're no and they're gonna to you, die. They're all going to die early because oh, they're not willing to goodness. work with anybody. <laughs> oh my goodness. But anyway, all that to say... There are ways in which we can honor God and reflect him no matter what our personalities, no matter what our likes and dislikes, no matter how we were raised or what our fashion preferences are. Mm-hmm. You know, there are ways for us to demonstrate biblical strength. And we are getting into one of those big areas of how woman can reflect an attribute of God when we talk about a woman being a helper. Emily, tell me why people don't like to think of themselves as being a helper. Um, I think it's because with our current understanding of what a helper looks like, it's this lesser position in our Mm -hmm. minds Mm -hmm. of somebody who's like, they're not good enough or skilled enough to be the main person. They just have enough skills to be the sidekick basically. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, it's like a Batman and Robin thing. Like, Oh, I don't want to be Robin. I want to be Batman. You know? (laughs) Yeah. That's a really good illustration. Actually. Batman and Robin. (laughs) Robin's such a whip. (laughs) His little puns. Oh, too good. From like the old one. That's true. And I think this is like, you mentioned this in the past. I don't remember if it's been on a podcast or not. But when we think of helper, we think of like a little kid sitting next to their dad and like holding a flashlight. Doing a bad job. (laughs) The dad's like, no, point, get it out of my eyes. (laughs) If that sounds like real life, it's because we've definitely, we've all done that. I think that's a common human experience. Yeah. Like dad's like, come out and hold this flashlight. And then we're like looking at the tires and we're looking at his face and he's like, put it where I'm looking. (laughs) Not helping well. Common human experience right there. Very true. Well, we're going to get into what scripture talks about as being a helper. Because God tells us that women were created. Remember in our very first episode, women were created to be a helper to the the husband, to the man. And Genesis 2.18 is where this verse shows up. Emily, do you want to read that from your yes. version? Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. I think that there, right there we can bristle, Right. We're like, mm. I was created to help men. I don't want to be Robin. <laughs> and I want to make this very clear. If you get nothing else out of this episode, then maybe this will stick with you. Batman and Robin is not a good example of a man and a woman. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is a very unequal power dynamic. Uh, and that is not what we're talking about. And we don't wear all Robin's tights. Robin's like half Batman size. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably more realistic, honestly. But yeah. <laughs> oh, so Genesis two eighteen. This word "helper" is actually a masculine noun, and that's I think interesting that God chooses to use that hmm. aspect of, um, you know, it's it's not. This is not like the tender, nurturing aspect of help. It sounds like it's more like the masculine aspect of help, and we how we would define it anyway. And it literally means one who helps. And to succor or to offer assistance and support in times of hardship and distress. To give assistance or aid to. Hmm. This is from Oxford Languages, by the way. This is a word that's used really frequently in the Old Testament. It actually is usually usually utilized to depict God helping us. Hmm. 
which I think is really cool because when God helps us, we don't think of God as being this majestic cosmic Robin who's helping us <laughs> as Batman, right? Right. That's well, if you, if you do think that, that's here. a whole other situation. <laughs> right. And you might, and your theology would be bad if you think that. So start at the beginning of our podcast <laughs> yes. and do all the start God theology. <laughs> and come back here. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's really cool that God yeah. is telling us that he made us to be a helper for man and that it's the same word used of God helping us as mankind. Because that's another, it goes back to the difference between men and women. Mm. We help each other really because men have strengths typically that women don't mm -hmm. and vice versa. Women have strengths that men don't. And so when yeah. we come together in a godly biblical way, it's awesome. It We yeah. fill needs in the other person's life that we couldn't do alone. Can you yeah. imagine if the whole world was just composed of women? Or just composed of men. First of all, the, the drama, <laughs> the drama that would ensue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I am a woman, guys. If you didn't know that, but I've worked in an office full of just women, and it was it's not always it was not great. as fun as you would think it would be. Like, there's backbiting going on, people talking about you when you're not there, and that's just. That's a weakness that women have. It yeah. was not an uplifting environment. You know, it takes a mix of both. You know, it can't just yeah. be a colony of women. That's not as fun as a it colony sounds. colony of women. <laughs> because God gave us all types so that yeah. we can all help each other out. And yeah. that's a good thing. It's good that we're different. It was, what's funny to me is that that idea of like a colony of women has been very... It's been very um, glamorized. Yeah, glamorized is the right word. And I think in fiction and in modern, yeah, like media let's get rid of the men. You know, yeah, it's like portrayed as a utopia. Like you think of like the Amazonian women who are like all by themselves in the jungle, or like um, didn't Wonder Woman come from like an island of women? Yeah, I can't remember what they're called. The Amazons? <laughs> are they the Amazons? Yeah, I thought they were like all in the jungle. But apparently, well, they're on the island too. They are called the Amazons. I don't know why. <laughs> so but. like these, you know, these cultures of women that are supposed to just be like, there's no war. And yeah, like everything's peaceful and all this different stuff. And because no like, woman guys, has ever been involved with war. <laughs> listen, women are great, okay? And we have a lot of skills that we bring to the table that men do not bring to the table typically. And we have a lot of strengths, as we've covered in this podcast already. But I work in a female-dominated um, occupation. I'm a nurse. And it's the percentage of women versus men in nursing is pretty high. I want to say it's like in the 70s to 80s typically. Mm -hmm. And um, for women versus men, like they're typically way more women in nursing than men. And you can get into why that is. It's, it's a nurturing job. It's all those things that like women tend to personality-wise enjoy. And to come alongside the first nurses were women. It was a natural, you know, evolution. Well, the first like certified nurses were women. They used to be men like back in the day, I guess. Mm -hmm. But anyway... So like there's a very um it's a very female dominated role and and work environment. And I have to tell you there's a reason that we always say nurses eat their young. Okay? This is a saying in hospitals oh and goodness. in medical circles. <laughs> nurses eat their young. And it's because nurses can be mean, not to their patients, though sometimes that happens, but to each other. Like it's a very catty environment. It's very high stress. It's a very um, you have to be able to know your stuff and to show up and to contribute. Otherwise, no one wants you on their team, right? Because it's especially critical care where I work. It's, you know, they're 
are consequences if you don't know what you're doing and consequences for your patients and for your team, et cetera. No one wants to be constantly picking up the slack for someone who's not contributing, right? But women, where I feel like men will just naturally, I've seen this in my own life, I've seen it in coworkers and other friends. A lot of times guys will just pick up the slack naturally without complaining and they'll just like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take on more because you're not able to contribute as much. Women get mad. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. They get angry. They backbite. They gossip. You know, like sometimes literally I'm sitting at my desk doing charting and there will be two nurses behind me. And depending on a, whatever person is coming out of a room right then from their patient, their conversation's changing. Right. Yeah. So this nurse comes out of her room leaves. and sits down yeah. and they stop talking about her and the three of them start talking about someone else who's not there. And then the one of the original two gets up and leaves and then number one nurse and number three nurse start talking about number two nurse. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, it's unreal the amount of backbiting and That's gossip. That's not biblical and- womanhood, y'all. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> it's not. And I think that this is like we've talked about this. These are traits that we have to fight, right? That that desire to know about people and to share information and to like feel better about ourselves because we're putting other people down. It's a trait. It's a tendency we have that we need to fight. But my point is, is that all woman, like a all woman society is not a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) We need men just like an all man society isn't a good thing. Yeah. They would just be going around looking like trash and there'd be dishes everywhere. Like they need women. Their houses would probably for the most part smell bad and wouldn't be decorated at all. They would only eat meat and they would all be dead by 50. So like there are reasons why Except for Max. Max eats more vegetables than I do. That's true. Max eats so many carrots. He'd be orange if you didn't marry him though. He just eats I don't know. I don't think I stop him that much. (laughs) But you know, like we our point is is that the genders need each other, right? God made woman as a helper. No one's an island. Yep. And that we need men. They give, they offer a lot. They're not just a strong back to carry the load. And they're not just like going to go out and make those dollars. Like there are ways in which they contribute a lot of wisdom, a lot of direction, a lot of leadership. And they have those tendencies, but they also have those fleshly tendencies, just like we do, you know, to not want to take leadership and to let us do whatever we want because they want to avoid conflict Mm -hmm. and to give in to their desire for peace and for rest instead of doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, like we all have strengths and weaknesses, right? And that's not, we're not here saying women are terrible yeah. or women are awesome. We're here saying we're one of the genders God created, one of the two. And he has given us unique ways to reflect him. And we also have unique struggles that we have to fight yep. against. And so getting into this text of God as a helper, we just have some verses we we're going to cover. These are all from the Blue Letter Bible. Um, You guys can use that as an online resource. It's free if you ever want to do this, where you want to look up a word, and then you want to see where that word shows up in other places in scripture. You can do a a search for that word, that Hebrew word in this situation, because it's the Old Testament. And it popped up all these other verses that we get from the Old Testament, um, where that word for helper that God uses for, I will make a helper fit for him, right? He uses mm-hmm. about woman where it's used in reference to God helping us in the Old Testament. So let's read some of those verses. Emily, you want to read Exodus 18.4? Sure. Uh-huh. So this is context-wise. It's talking about Moses' sons. Um, verse 4 says, The other was named Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of, of Pharaoh. Another verse that talks about God as a helper as the same word is from Psalm 121 verse 1. 
is as I lift up my eyes to the mountains, where will my help come from? And then verse two says, my help is from Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. I'll read verse three too. It says, he will not allow your foot to be moved. He who protects you will not slumber. I love that passage. It's so cool. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. Psalm 121 is really cool and it's very short. So read it sometime if you are having a hard time believing God's out looking out for you and God has your best interest at heart. It's a good Psalm to study on. Mm -hmm. But I love this idea of where is my help coming from? It's coming from God. Yeah. And this is a help that's desperately needed in this because the whole point of this Psalm is trust in God's protection. Yeah. And it's neat to think that this is the word God uses in creating woman, that he wants to make a helper like him for man. I mean, that's really special, yeah. you know? Um, it's very sweet. Let's go to Hosea thirteen nine real quick. You want to read that one, Emily? Yeah. It says, it is your destruction, O Israel, that you are against me, against your help. Mm, that hurts. Yeah. That is really heartbreaking when you think about that. And that's, I think we feel that sometimes as women a little bit, we can understand the heart of God here a little by, you know, when you're trying to help someone who needs help and you could help them and they don't want you to, mm-hmm. you know, they resist it. And that could be the case in your marriage. Maybe you have a husband who doesn't want your help or who feels like you're trying to lead when you want to help him, or, you know, maybe you just don't have a good relationship or maybe it's in your church or in a ministry you're a part of or a discipleship relationship where you're trying to come alongside and help somebody and they don't want to have it. That is heartbreaking, isn't it? Like Mm -hmm. that's such a discouraging feeling when you care about them and you love them and you're aching over the decisions they're making and the struggles they're facing and you want to help and they won't let you help. And I have to say that that can be a very hard place to be, but isn't it sweet that this is something God understands more than we Mm. ever will. I mean, it's something that's probably playing out in your life right now with God, where he's trying to help you in some way and you're resisting his help. And so understanding that helps us to repent and to be able to understand where God's coming from, what these verses are speaking to. And I want to say too, that if you're in a place where you feel like I just can't help them, they just won't let me. I feel so discouraged. I feel so helpless, right? Because of the decisions they're making, take that to the Lord. Like He understands that he's your help <laughs> and he's your help. Exactly. Yeah. And as you pray for them, you are helping them. They can't stop you from praying and you just take it to the Lord. You just get on your knees and you just break your heart over that person and you continue to pray and to seek the Lord and you help them by being an intercessor for them before the Lord by keeping them before the Lord. And that is such a beautiful thing to be that intercessory helper mm-hmm. of praying for someone who is struggling, even if they have no desire for you to do that. Yeah. Our next passage is Psalm 33, verse 20. It says, our soul waits for Yahweh. He is our help and our shield. And then I'll read verse 21 through 22 real quick too. It says, for in him, our heart rejoices because in his holy name, we trust. Let your loyal love, O Yahweh, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Hmm. That's such a sweet passage. I really love that. Emily, you want to read last Psalm 115, 11? Yes. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. That's really neat to think about. Again, God, I think these words are often used along with protection, right? He's our help and our strength. He's our help and our high tower is like an idea I see in scripture a lot, like a fortress. 
These are help and shield, this idea of protection, of being able to withstand hardship because God's helping you. He's sustaining you. He is offering you support and encouragement and all those things. And there's a lot here. I mean, helping is something that for some reason, when we think about it as biblical womanhood, we are really like, oh, that's kind of gross, or it sounds like a seer servant, or it sounds like belittling. But guys, like when you're in a car crash and the fire department and EMS are cutting you out of your car and helping you to get out of a burning vehicle and Mm -hmm. helping you to be stabilized and to go to a hospital. And when in the trauma bay, we're helping you to stop bleeding. We're helping you to get what you need medicine wise. You know, when you come up to the ICU, we're helping you with our medications that we're titrating and with watching your vitals and helping clean you up if you need to be cleaned up and, you know, helping your family to understand what's going on. Like we don't think of helping as negative in the real world. You know, it's, it's necessary. It's vital. We are thankful in moments of crisis for someone to step in and help us. But for some reason, I think Satan's really sold us this lie that helping is this negative thing. Well, that's because it serves him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you think about it. He's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. He's the worst. It's true though. Like he's, he's tried to paint this idea of us being us being able to reflect God's character by being helpers as women as this negative thing. Well, if women aren't helping men, then men are in a weaker place. Mm -hmm. Women are in a weaker place because we're both rejecting our roles and then God isn't glorified. I think it makes a lot of sense to attack biblical womanhood for sure from an enemy standpoint. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Just what we talked about last week with Helms Deep, right? Like identify your (laughs) weaknesses. We are so biblical. (laughs) Persuasion and Lord of the Rings are our extra biblical evidences of this. We tell you guys, we're real here, okay? It's not like we're pretending it's the Bible. This is how life is. (laughs) Sometimes you see parallels and other stories that were well written. Um, I am very much like, hey, you guys, like we, sometimes we all need help, right? And it's, sometimes you get tired of helping Mm -hmm. and it's hard. It's sacrificial. You think God gets tired of helping you? I think he could if he allowed himself to, right? Like he's, goodness, like he's been helping us for thousands of years and we're still kind of the worst, you know? Well, like that verse was talking about, like when it's talking about Israel, but whenever they were rejecting their helper, yeah, you know, that that doesn't help them. (laughs) You know, it doesn't help us to kick against God and reject him. He has our best interests in mind. Yeah. So it really doesn't make sense. It's true. And I think when we see biblical womanhood operating in a way that is pleasing to God, it has incredible power. It has incredible power to shape, to change, to assist. I think that's one of the reasons it comes under so much attack. And I've seen this happen, you guys. I've seen women who are in a really bad marriage or you know, they're in a difficult discipleship relationship or their children are rebellious or whatever. And I've seen women who just keep being faithful, who keep Mm -hmm. demonstrating godly attributes, who keep being helpers. They're defying the odds, really. Yep. That's cool. They just keep showing up and doing the right thing because it honors the Lord. And not always, it doesn't always happen, but I've seen a lot of those situations where because of them showing up and doing the right thing, God changes the hearts of those around them. Mm -hmm. Like people respond to that biblically and they change. And I think we need to make sure we understand what helping is. You know, we're talking about helping a lot. Helping is not manipulation. Helping is not nagging. Yeah. Right. It's not forcing. God does not 
manipulate us. God does not nag us. God does not force us. He helps us. And people can resist that help as we covered in scripture today, which means, and he doesn't force it when we do that. He talks about it. He's like, Hey, you guys have rejected me. You know, you guys are are refusing my help, but he doesn't do that in a way that's sinfully angry or that's like, you don't appreciate me enough or all these different things. You know, like we, as women, if we really latch onto this idea of helping and we really make it part of how we think and pray for other people, we can fall into some traps regarding that, right? Where our identity is tied up in being a helper and being allowed to help. And we get discouraged when people won't let us, we can be, um, very manipulative with how we try to help people or getting them to let us help them. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage you guys, like take God as our example of help. What does it look like when he helps us and model after him, not after our natural tendencies in the flesh, which are to just like have everything perfect. And so everyone do what I want you to do so I can help you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or let me do it, <laughs> you know, right, exactly. shoving people aside who are trying. I'll yeah. do it. I can do it better. <laughs> yeah, because it's not always helping them for you right. to do it, right? Sometimes yeah. it's helping them if you are teaching them to do it themselves. Yeah. And just like the idea of like giving someone a fish or teaching them to fish, what really helps them? Right. In the moment, it seems like giving them a fish is more of a help than teaching them to fish because they get a fish faster, right? Mm-hmm. But really, you're helping them by teaching yeah. them to do it themselves. Efficiency isn't always the best way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so real quick, as we wrap things up, what are some pitfalls we can fall into as helpers? We've already covered some of that. Um, anything else you can think of along those lines? Well, I think it's interesting to look at this from a man's perspective, because I think they misunderstand help sometimes too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very important to communicate. Like if you are in a phase where you're trying to help your dad or you're trying to help your husband or another leader in your life, your pastor, maybe yeah, with something, yeah. it's very important to communicate well what you are doing and yes. taking that. Cause I think some men can see that as she doesn't think I'm capable. Uh-huh. And so she's taking over or she's helping me cause she doesn't think I can do it on my own. And so, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, just understanding that that is, it's not that that's a godly way for them to think per se, but it's just, again, our world has skewed what help looks like. Yeah. And so I think it's good to Mm -hmm. really communicate, um, help in the right way, you know? So I just think it's interesting. Men and women think very differently. (laughs) There's some things we think are no brainers and that they think are no brainers, but we're completely on different pages. And just like we are, our, in our flesh, we are tempted to resist leadership. Mm-hmm. I think men in their flesh are tempted to resist our help. Yeah. Because these are two major ways in which God's created us to operate together as counterparts, as he talks about in scripture. And again, just like we are tempted to view helping as stupid and to view submission as evil, men are tempted, I think, to view us helping them as manipulative and controlling and they're yeah. trying to lead in this situation instead of letting me lead. We had a kind of an interesting situation like that recently where there are these salesmen that came to our door and they were going through their whole spiel. They're trying to get us to sign something. And I was like, oh, I don't really have a good feeling about it. I was sitting on the couch and uh, 
So then Max was telling them, no, we're, we're not going to do it. Like, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. And then they start bullying him. They go from nice guy tactic to, well, I just helped your neighbor over here to do it. He did it. What's the problem? Like, why? Oh, why don't, yeah, they're being so disrespectful. They're like these 20 something punks in a group of men like at our door trying to do it. And Max is being so gentle and patient and kind like, no, it's, you know, I don't want to do it. I understand. And they're like, why not? Why not? Why not? They're like, and I <laughs> got so mad. I stood up and went to the door. I'm wearing my pajamas. It was like a Saturday morning. And I'm like, hi. <laughs> you need to respect him. When he says no, you do that. <laughs> you know? And I went up and told him off. And I was like, we're not doing it. You need to respect our decision. Like, goodbye, basically. And I shut up. <laughs> and then we go back in. They finally leave. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, I don't know that I needed to do that because Max had it handled. And so I talked to him. I was like, well, should I just, I'll probably just stay in the background next time. He was fine with me doing that. But, you know, he's just, he wasn't being a jerk about it. And I was like, I need to come in here and apply more force to the situation. This is ending as quickly as I think it should. Yeah, I know. To to these guys' perspective, it probably looked like I was the little, like, tyrant of the house. Yeah, exactly. We said no. But, you know, it's just funny. That's like, it's good to communicate because it could have come across to Max that I was thinking, he's not doing it right. He can't do it. Right, right. But whenever you just... could have come across that way to him. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. And so I think it was good. We had a conversation afterwards that I initiated because I was like... I wonder if that came across wrong. Because again, I was angry. So I was acting upon anger. Probably not the best decision. But it shut down the conversation pretty quick. (laughs) Does the end justify the means? No. No, (laughs) And that's why I had to talk to Max. And I think it's wise that you were humbling to be like, hey, was that helpful? Did I just overstep? You know, like, I don't want you to feel disrespected when I'm trying to get someone to respect you. Because I'm like, hey, respect them. Yeah. And we can see. (laughs) Like he needs your help to be respected. And we can see where I'm coming from. But he was just taking a biblical way out. <laughs> he was gently and patiently telling them, I know, like, it's okay. We don't want it. And then I came up and I was like, shut up, you guys. <laughs> Get out of our house. <laughs> yeah. So it's just I love that about you, Emily. That no, people would never realize that you would do something like that. Usually when my you, anger's inside, but when you, when you get upset about something, you take action. It's really, <laughs> I love it. I know. Gentle, quiet Emily. There's <laughs> all these anger rap. issues. <laughs> But, you know, oh, I that, that is a really good example, I think, of when you potentially have overstepped mm-hmm. having a conversation and seeing how the men in your life, the man in your life, seeing how um, they feel like they need help, I think is a good thing, yeah. too, a good way to start. And just saying, hey, biblically, I'm called to be your helper. And God is working in my heart about this. I'm recognizing that I don't always do this intentionally. Mm-hmm. How can I help you? Yep. Day to day. How can I help you this week? You know, having those conversations, you probably yeah. aren't going to really like the response of that, you know, but maybe him. you'll be surprised by it. Honestly. You might be surprised. And that'd be great if he, if he's like, Hey, you know, thank you. Pray for me regarding this. Or like, I need your help with this project at work or something like that. Probably it's going to be like simple things that maybe might be hurtful when you hear them, you know, like I really it would be a huge help to me if like when that I come home from the work day, if the house is clean, mm-hmm. like that would be really helpful to me because I'm stressed when I come in the house when it's dirty. Or it'd be really helpful to me if, you know, the kids are bathed when I get home so that we can have family time before they go to bed. And, you know, I'm not like trying to wolf down supper while you're bathing the kids and I never see you until like nine thirty at night or something like that. It could be that there are ways in which he's going to ask for help that 
you're going to be frustrated by, you know, and you're like, I mean, that's hard for me to do that. Or like, that's impossible with our schedule, or this is going to mean priorities I have for the day or for the week are going to get put aside. If he's like, Hey, I need you to come with me to visit this lady at church who is having a hard time, or, you know, pastor asked us to go visit these people at the hospital and you're putting aside what you want to do, right. To help him to do what he's mm-hmm. been asked to do there. Usually I think help helping is not glamorous. You yeah. know, it's very sacrificial. When we think of helping, we think of us like fighting together or like climbing a mountain and, you know, you're carrying whatever, or like it's the day-to-day decisions. It's the little things of sacrifice that make the biggest difference in his life of like, now he can, he feels freed up to do his job and his role because you are doing yours in a way that helps you both. And Hey, he might be a selfish guy. He might be in the flesh. It could be that he has a lot of demands on you already. And you're like, I can't, like he has too much, too many demands, right? Pray for that. Pray for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as you're able with counsel and with other people helping if you need to and all those things, you know, be able to start changing. Like, yeah, maybe he really likes me to make him coffee in the morning, but we have a relationship where I feel like I he's broken trust with me. Like, I feel like that's so humiliating to do, to, to serve him in that way with our history or whatever. Like pray about those things, you know, give them to the Lord. Maybe that's how God's going to humble you and bring him around because of how you're able to serve him and to help him and little ways like that, that are meaningful to him. Mm-hmm. Not so, because yeah. anybody deserves it, but right. because you're glorifying the Lord. Exactly. Cause it's for the Lord. It's not for him at the end of the day. It's for God. And that's how we are to help people. Now, if he says like help him in like a negative way where it's not good for him or it's sinful or something like that, obviously you you don't do that, right? So mm-hmm. this is you like prayerfully looking at these things and trying to figure out how to help him in a way that's meaningful and that is God honoring. Um, but I think it looks different than how we usually like it to look. You know, we don't, in my job, I get to help people in kind of dramatic ways. But then when I'm home and in my circles as a woman with the men in my life, I don't help them in dramatic ways. I help them in very basic ways. You know, I help them by doing their laundry or, you know, Mm. um, thinking about the fact that they're, they just got home and they might want something to eat, you know? And so like, oh, you know, can I make you something? Or like, you know, we were just at a conference this week and my dad was parking the car that me and my mom had, we were at a leadership conference and he had dropped us off at the door and went to park and he wasn't going to have time to get a coffee um, before we went into the session without being really rushed. And so like, that was just something that I was like, in your mind, you're like, oh, he'll get a coffee if he wants to. I didn't even ask him if he wanted a coffee, but it was like, he's parking the car after dropping us off at the door. I can help him by getting him a coffee. You know, like sometimes we're just not thinking mm-hmm. about other people. Sometimes we're just yeah. like focused on ourselves, you know? We're very individualistic in our yeah, society. Yeah, yeah. And so just, just thinking about it and just being yeah. willing to love them and to help them however, you know, we can in a way that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. So I think communication is really big. Prayer is really big. And humility is really big. Like these are all kind of needed if you're going to be a godly helper. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. So – we kind of covered some practical ways that you can maybe step up and help. We talked about some pitfalls from this. We went to scripture. I hope that this has been an encouraging time for you guys. And one that you can like, that this episode makes sense to you and is practical for where you're at and how you can prayerfully help the men in your life. Even if you're not married, even if you don't have a father who's living, you know, there's leadership, there are people in your life that you can help and just be praying about that. Like, you know, what's appropriate because Mm -hmm. of our relationship for me to do to help this person. 
you know, obviously it's not appropriate for you to like be in a married man's house helping him or, you know, like to to do things (laughs) for an unmarried man or whatever that you shouldn't be doing. Like be prayerful about that. Be wise about that. But like, how can I help my pastor? You know, I can pray for him. If he asks mm-hmm. for volunteers, I can volunteer. <laughs> you know, like, please do. By the way, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coming from a church secretary, <laughs> it's really hard when you're trying to find people to do stuff yeah. and no one ever wants to do anything. You know, yeah. like, be willing. Just hey, tell them, hey, God's working in my heart about being more of a help at church to my leadership. Like, how can I help you this he'll, week? He'll probably cry if you say that. Honestly, yeah, he probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in front of you. <laughs> Bring a tissue. <laughs> Give it to him. <laughs> but you know, like, just be. Be willing to do what God's called you to do in a way that loves the Lord, in a way that loves other people, you know, and in a way usually that's sacrificial and humiliating to yourself. Yeah. You're going to be a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's neat to think about God being our ultimate example of help and that Mm -hmm. we have him to look to and that he's not asking us to do this out of like meanness or, you know, authoritarian. (laughs) You're lesser than, so you get to be the helper. Like he's our helper. And he just wants us to demonstrate that aspect of his character by how we are biblical women. And I think that's really cool. Amen. Amen. All right, ladies, we're going to hopefully catch you next week. We love you and we'll talk to you then. Have a good week and honor the Lord. Serve him. Be willing to do what he wants you to do. We love you. Love you guys. Bye.